the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTBN. Vanilla Spark. Peter gives us true knowledge about Jesus' second coming. But why? Why does he emphasize here knowledge about the return of Christ? And what does that have to do with false teachers? And here's the point. These false teachers were specifically attacking the doctrine of Christ's return. They were denying it, and even beyond denying it, they were mocking it, they were ridiculing it, they were, they were scoffing at it, they were making fun of it, they were saying it's ludicrous, it's an illogical belief, it's not going to happen, you've been, you've been duped, you've been taken in by a hoax. They had even accused Peter and the other apostles of making up the story of Christ's second coming. To the natural mind, in other words, the mind that has not been changed and illuminated by the Holy Spirit, the return of Christ is pretty incredible. So is his virgin birth, his physical resurrection from the dead, and most or all of his miracles. As a result, people today live much the same way as they did in Noah's day. The attitude then was rain, flood, <laughs> what's that? You're crazy, Noah. There's never been anything like that, and there never will be. We'll continue to do as we please, so take your prediction of doom and go away. That's the attitude displayed by the people of the first century, and it's the attitude of many people today. But Peter was specifically dealing with church people who had started buying into concepts of Jesus and his return that were not true. What is the truth about the second coming of Christ, and why is it important? Is there a hoax that has endured for 2,000 years? Or is it a fact that hasn't happened yet? Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff will begin a study of the Second Coming, centered on 2 Peter chapter 3. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries makes his messages available to you through this radio station and the website that I'll tell you about later. We will be starting right off at verse 1 of 2 Peter chapter 3. So if you would like to read along, open your Bible to that passage. There were a variety of ideas about Jesus and his return going around the church in the first century, and there are many misconceptions today as well. Learning how Peter dealt with the ones he faced will help us to recognize and counter the false teaching that we come across these days. And now here is Pastor Steve. Well, let's open our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're entering a new chapter in our study of this wonderful but really brief letter. 2 Peter chapter 3, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 7. Peter writes, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, 
where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. I think there's uh, no question about it that the return of Jesus Christ, commonly known as the second coming of Christ, is one of the most dominant themes in the Bible. But I'm not sure we, we quite grasp how dominant uh, it really is in Scripture. For example, the, the Old Testament prophets, we know that they spoke about Christ. There are approximately 330 prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. But listen to this. Only 100 and, uh, 109 of them were, all, were fulfilled in his first coming, which means that 224 prophecies are yet to be fulfilled and will be fulfilled at his second coming. So most of what has been predicted about Jesus concerns the second coming and not the first. Also, of the 46 Old Testament prophets, only about 10 of them refer to Christ's first coming. 36 prophets speak of events relating to his second coming. So once again, the emphasis in the Old Testament is not on his first coming but on his return, on his second coming. What about the New Testament? In the Gospels, Jesus referred to his return 21 times. One out of every 25 verses in the New Testament is a direct reference to Christ's return. In, in fact, the New Testament puts so much emphasis on the second coming that next to the subject of faith, it is the most dominant theme in the New Testament. So, so certainly there's been a lot written in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, about the return of Christ. So it would appear, it would be logical, we would think that, that since there's so much information on this, certainly no Christian should ever be confused or have any doubts about Christ's return. I wish we could say that. That's not the case. And the proof of that is 2 Peter chapter 3, because Peter wrote to this chapter to clarify some issues that they were confused about and, and issues that you may indeed also be confused about. This is a chapter in which the apostle wanted to clarify things to them, wanted to, to clear up some misunderstandings. Now, let me, let me tell you where 2 Peter 3 fits in in the overall book, because that's the, the way really to study the Bible. You don't just jump in. You want to see the flow of, of progressive thought as God re has revealed his mind to us. So where does this chapter fit in? For several months, as you know, we've been studying Peter's second letter, and we've discovered that it is a letter that deals with false teachers who were in the church threatening believers. That's the whole background here. And Peter's goal and, and the whole point of this book is to protect these believers from error, from false teachers. And the way that Peter does this is to enlighten them by giving them true knowledge as, to po as opposed to error. From what we can gather from this letter, these specific false teachers were involved in, uh, in a heresy that emphasized knowledge. They believed that they had a secret knowledge, secret information, that if one possessed that, it would enhance their spiritual life. It would add something to their spiritual well-being. This heresy later down the road in church history came to be known as Gnosticism, 
which means literally knowledge, as opposed to agnostic, which means without knowledge. Now, it's interesting that the way Peter combats the false knowledge of the Gnostics is to emphasize throughout this letter true knowledge. That's, that's the theme. He centers the entire letter really around the theme of understanding and knowledge. That's why in this small epistle, the words know or knowledge appear 16 times. And that's a lot in just a brief uh, uh, span of, of uh, this letter. And each chapter is designed to give us true knowledge that will protect us from error. For example, chapter 1, in that chapter, Peter gives us true knowledge on how to grow spiritually. He tells us how to grow. We are to add to our faith a lot of character qualities. And he mentions knowledge in that. Why is that important? Because the only way that you and I can combat error is to grow spiritually, is to mature. Those who are new in the faith are very vulnerable. Those who are ignorant, those who don't grow in their understanding of Christ and, and in their spiritual maturity are very gullible and naive and are very vulnerable to false teachers. So chapter one, true knowledge about how to grow. In chapter two, Peter gives us knowledge about the false teachers and what they were really like. Not sincere good people, but evil people. He tells us of their dangers. He tells us of their character makeup. He tells us of their motives and intents. So he gives us knowledge about these men so that we would not be ignorant. Now we've come to chapter 3, and what does he do here? Well, the whole chapter is also built around the thought of knowledge. Knowledge, though, now about the return of Christ. Not only in the verses that I, I read to you, but throughout this, this whole chapter. For example, in, chapter, in this chapter, verse 10, he also speaks about the return of the Lord. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens and so forth. So he's speaking about the day of the Lord, about the coming of Christ. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Verse 13, but according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I mean, the whole chapter is built around the thought of Christ's Return. Peter gives us true knowledge about Jesus' second coming, but why? Why does he emphasize here knowledge about the return of Christ? And what does that have to do with false teachers? And here's the point. These false teachers were specifically attacking the doctrine of Christ's return. They were denying it, and even beyond denying it, they were mocking it, they were ridiculing it, they were, they were scoffing at it, they were making fun of it, they were saying it's ludicrous, it's an illogical belief, it's not going to happen, you've been, you've been duped, you've been taken in by a hoax. They had even accused Peter and the other apostles of making up the story of, of Christ's second coming. How do we know this? Well, look back at chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, meaning that we, we saw a glimpse of his second coming glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. But why would Peter say we didn't follow cleverly devised tales? The only reason he would say that is because certain people accused him of doing that, of, of coming up with a, a myth, a uh, a doctrine invented by men, a, a tall tale. It's something that he and the other apostles got together and said, let's say that Jesus said he's going to come back again. And that's what they were accusing Peter of doing. So Peter writes chapter 3 to, uh, to help his readers and really help us to work through several issues about the second coming of Christ that troubled them. Now, you may be troubled on these same, these same issues, so let me give you an over, overriding uh, perspective of this chapter. There are three specific things that trouble many people about the return of Christ. We will hear what they are when Pastor Steve returns in a minute or so. I have a friend who smilingly calls himself a pan-tribulationist. 
When the topic of the tribulation comes up, he says it will all pan out in the end. In other words, he doesn't claim to know all the answers about specific sequences, but he does know that Christ is returning, that it could be any time, and that the promise of his return should make a difference in how we live. If you just tuned in, we'd like to welcome you to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. His teaching ministry has expanded to also include these daily radio Bible classes. Today's class is the first in a series of studies concerning the return of Christ, the second coming as it is sometimes called. If you missed the start of class, please stay tuned at the end of our broadcast and I'll tell you how you can hear it on the internet. I mentioned the tribulation a little bit ago. There is a lot of disagreement among evangelicals about the timing of that event and how it relates to the return of Christ and the rapture of His church. If those terms are new to you, don't worry. Over the next few lessons, they should become quite familiar. And remember, the fact that godly people disagree about some of the details should not give us the idea that they are unimportant. As we will soon see, the biblical promises related to the return of Christ are of tremendous importance. If you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. Pastor Steve is here now with a description of those troubling questions and the biblical responses. There are three specific issues that Peter tells us about that troubled these believers, and they may indeed be troubling you. The first issue that troubled them relating to the second coming of Christ was this. The scoffers came up with a specific objection to the return of Christ. They not only laughed at it, but they gave an objection that really threw the people. The scoffers ridiculed the, the return of Christ because they said, and look at this in verse 4, said, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. The scoffers ridiculed Christ's return, saying that God doesn't act like that. He doesn't do things like that. He doesn't break into human history and uh, and change the natural order of things. They said he's never done that. Ever since creation, he's never done that. Everything continues just the same way as it always has. So since he's never done that in the past, why do you think that he's going to do it again at the end of the age and, and come back? That was the objection they gave. Now, maybe you've been confused about things like that. Uh, maybe you've been confused when you, uh, when you witness to people and they come back with some really fierce opposition to Christianity. It, it can cause you to doubt. Have I really believed the truth? I mean, it sounds so logical what they've said. Yes, I, I haven't seen these things. Just like these false teachers said, have you ever seen God break into history? Have you ever seen actually a miracle, a supernatural? Well, no, I haven't. Well, then how do you know he's going to do it? And maybe people say things like that to you. Maybe it's not about the second coming of Christ, but maybe have you, how do you, why do you believe this stuff? Have you ever seen Jesus? Have you ever seen the things that the Bible speaks of? Well, no, we'll see. It's illogical. So Peter answers that. He answers that. Secondly, the second issue that, uh, that troubled these believers relating to the second coming of Christ was a, 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 was a question of why hasn't he come earlier? Why are we waiting so long? Believers, these believers seem to have been bothered by this, this nagging question and doubt in their minds. And the question is like this. If he's coming, if he's promised to come, then why are we still waiting? Why hasn't he come earlier? How long is it going to take? You ever wondered that yourself? I mean, think about that. 
How come the church has been waiting now for nearly 2,000 years? Every generation of believers, every generation of believers, including the apostles, have longed and looked for the return of Christ. But he keeps us waiting. Why? Well, it may very well be that Peter's readers were thinking, since he hasn't come back, maybe he's never coming back. So Peter tells us why Jesus has delayed his return. He tells us in verse 9. There's a a third issue that seems to have troubled these believers relating to the second coming of Christ. And it's this, look, I have so many doubts about this and I'm I'm confused about this. Uh, Why should I be so, so troubled? Why should I even be concerned about this? After all, even if he is coming, Uh, Again, what relevance is that for me? How does it affect my life now? That's a future event, even if he does come. And Peter says, you don't understand. You've fallen into the trap of thinking it's irrelevant. It is very relevant. What you believe about the return of Christ affects the way you live today. It is very important that we understand this. It is essential. It is If you take away the doctrine of the return of Christ, you have ripped away from the church one of the great motivating factors in our lives, that he could come and uh, return, and we're going to stand before him. So these believers were troubled by these things, and, and you may be troubled today. In fact, you may be the kind of person who has studied these issues. You've studied prophecy. You're confused about it. You can't get it straight, whether you're uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, uh, pre-wrath, whether you're pre-millennial, mid-whatever, uh, post-millennial, amillennial, all, all that. And you say, look, I've, I've had it. I don't even understand what you're talking about. I don't even know those terminologies. I, I just uh, I've just put it aside. I'm not interested in the second coming of Christ. There's been too much of an emphasis in prophecy. Some have sensationalized it, and I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Well, that's the wrong response. That's the wrong response. The return of Christ is very important. You may not understand all the things about it, but you should certainly not set it aside and say it's unimportant. It is very important, and we do need to be students of the Word and understand this. That's not the only thing we're we're to understand. There's a great danger when you deal with prophecy to uh, there are some people that's all that they study, and they build their whole ministries around that and their whole lives. There's a balance, but it's wrong to dismiss it. So, we need to have an understanding of what the Word of God says about the return of Christ. And, and uh, that's why it's so important for us as we begin this morning to study chapter 3. And what we're going to see this morning is this. We want to examine in light of a world that scoffs at the thought of Jesus returning, how we can have absolute, complete assurance that he's coming back. In the process of answering the scoffer's objection to Christianity and specifically Christ's return, Peter's going to give us Two ways to assure our hearts that Jesus is coming. You see, scoffers today, they're they're not going to scoff at the first coming of Christ. It's the second coming of Christ that people have a real problem with. So let's begin by looking at the first way to assure our hearts that he is coming again, even if people mock that and make you feel little about that and laugh at you for believing that. It's this. How do you assure your heart? Remember the word of God. Remember the word of God. Let's begin by looking at verse 1. Peter writes, this is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Now, Peter opens this final chapter by explaining to these believers why he felt the need to write two letters to them. And he, I, I take it as referring to first, the letter we know as First Peter as well as Second Peter. Essentially, he says that his goal was to awaken their thinking, to stir them up, 
in the sense of refreshing their memories about truths that they had already known. This wasn't new to them, and it really shouldn't be new to us. He had already taught this. They had been uh, acquainted with this information, but it's helpful for all of us to have reminders. Isn't that true? No matter how long you've been a Christian, and no matter how deep you get with the Lord, and no matter how much deep theology you know, we all at times need reminders of the basics of Christianity. That's one of the great uh, benefits of having the Lord's Supper. I think that's why one reason why Jesus established it. As we meet, we meet and we have the Lord's Supper to remember his death and never to forget that. Constant reminder. So we do need to be reminded of the basic truths of Christianity. Now, what was the truth, the specific truth that Peter wanted to remind his readers of in this chapter? Well, it was the second coming of Christ. That's the reminder. And he tells us this in verse 2, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Now, Peter tells us to remember two things. He tells us from this verse, two things in relation to Christ's return. Number one is the Old Testament prophets, and number two is the commandments of the Lord spoken through the apostles. Now, what does he mean by the Old Testament prophets? He is referring to the messianic prophecies. The, the Old Testament prophets said there would be a Messiah coming. He's referring to all of the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures that predicted that Jesus Christ would come to earth. Now, I do need to explain something that is critical for you to understand if you are to understand this passage. When the Old Testament prophets spoke of Messiah's coming, they often did not make a distinction between his first and second comings. In their mind, he was coming. That's it. They didn't make a distinction. And sometimes you read about uh, a prophecy concerning Christ where there's a, a humility there, there's a gentleness, there's sacrifice. It's given in that context. Those refer to his birth, his, his life, his death. Then there are other prophecies about his second coming, which are given in the context of, of judgment, uh, wrath, uh, righteousness, executing judgment, specifically the seven-year tribulation period, and then his actual return. That seven-year tribulation period is a time just seven years prior to the return of Christ. That will be a time of wrath. That will be a time of judgment. It's called in the Old Testament the time of Jacob's trouble. And so uh, the prophets, when they wrote of Messiah's coming, often just lumped them together, so much to the point that the ancient rabbis uh, looked at these at these prophecies and, and couldn't reconcile it. How could you have a gentle, humble Messiah and a kingly Messiah of wrath and judgment. And sometimes some of the rabbis actually said uh, their interpretation of, of this was is that there is not one Messiah. They said there are two Messiahs. Well, they were wrong about that. One Messiah, two comings. The mixing and joining of the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus' first and second comings can be very confusing. I've heard that concept called foreshortening. It's the chronological version of the optical effect when we look at distant mountains through a telescope. The optical foreshortening makes the mountain ridges in back look like they are right up against the ones in front. The viewer can't see that there are miles and miles between them because the telescope does not show that. It's the same with the messianic prophecies. God showed the prophets the two comings of Christ and his two ministries. But for reasons of his own, he did not reveal to the prophets the centuries that would pass between Jesus' first coming as the Lamb of God and his second coming as the Lion of Judah. Pastor Steve will give us more on that subject in our next class. 
We thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries, Pastor Steve's messages are available to the listeners of this great radio station. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. If you would like to hear today's broadcast again, it is available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download it for later listening. We also make several previous broadcasts available on our archives page, and there is a link for you to go to if you would like to sign up for our free podcasting service. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. To hear Pastor Steve's entire message, the first of six messages about the return of Christ, you can order an audio CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. The number again, 727-441-1714. In our next class, Pastor Steve will give us a review of those important biblical responses to those who mock the return of Christ. Then we will move on to deal with the basic reason why so many people reject the idea of the second coming. That's next time on Verse by Verse. I hope you can join us then. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.